What a mighty God we serve. Awesome in power and strength, and it's so great to be reminded from uh, some passages from the Old Testament and the New Testament, really, um, just how great a God it is that we, we serve and how He is there for us over and over. He is forever faithful. And um, it's also, uh, for a pastor, it's always good when uh, you get up to preach and everybody's already riled up and ready to go, just saying, yeah, we, we serve an awesome God, a mighty God, in that great worship and praise. And so uh, thank you to the, the, the worship team for the way that they have led us in acknowledging our great and our powerful God, faithful forever in His uh, strength and in His grace. We're going to be looking, if you want to turn with me to uh, the book of Amos, if you have your copy of the scriptures, we're going to be looking in Amos chapter 7. Um, I'm going to really be covering verses 1 to 17. We're only going to read verses 7 to 8. We'll read that in just a moment. But we're talking really about measuring faithfulness. Now we know that God is forever faithful, and we've heard already about His, His majesty and His power and the authority and, and how He uses that to, to comfort us and to, to strengthen us and to protect us and to, to heal us. What a great God it is we serve. We, on the other hand, are so often unfaithful to this great God who we say we love and who we say we serve. And even as His church, as His people, we can sometimes look at ourselves and realize that we have been unfaithful. We have turned away from this great God. Now, it's not easy for us to admit that we have problems, is it? I don't know why, but for some reason, it's, it's just difficult for a lot of people to admit that there are problems that exist in your life. Now, it's not like we're unaware of the problems, is it? We, we know how we live and we know when we slip up. We know when there's some things with us that may need to be corrected. We just don't like to admit it to anyone. We kind of like to pretend like everything's fine. And especially even at church, I think that you find people who, who get out of the car and they put on their, they've, they've, they're wearing their Sunday best and they put on their Sunday smile and they come in and they say, oh, everyone's, how you going? Good, how are you? And you just put a smile on and shake your hands. And you have to pretend at church sometimes, it seems, like everything's fine. Everything's going great when inside, you know, it's all falling apart. It's not like we're unaware of the problems, and it's not like we're unaware of the consequences if the problems persist. So why is it that we're unwilling to acknowledge that we have problems? The funny thing I've noticed is that we're pretty good at noticing problems in other people. We're pretty quick to point those out, aren't we? And we're thinking, well, the problem with the church is this guy over here. Or the problem with this is, is this lady. If they would just change and if we just come along, we notice problems in other groups. We notice problems in other individuals. We notice problems in other families. And sometimes we seem to do it to make ourselves feel a bit better. Say, so you know what? Well, at least I'm not like that family. At least I'm not, I don't have those sort of problems. Look at them. At least it takes the focus off us for a bit. We notice problems in, in other political parties that we, we don't agree with. We notice problems in media commentaries or that we find condescending or demeaning or in other families that we, we kind of sneer at as if to say, well, glad that's not me. But do we look at ourselves? And if we look at ourselves, do we fix what we see? Or do we just keep on 
trying to pretend like the problems aren't really there and hope nobody notices. Now, I am really blessed that I never wake up with a bad hair day. Okay? <laughs> I just don't ever have that problem. But if I had hair like Donald Trump or something like that, and I woke up and it's all standing up on his end, and I look in the mirror and I'm about to do this big press conference, the first thing I'm going to do is fix my hair. And that's a lot of hair to fix. He's got to comb it all around and do that. Well, I never have that problem, so I never have to worry about that. But, so part of my problem is if it's about my appearance, I probably don't even know there's a problem because I never look in a mirror. I literally never look in a mirror. The mirrors are uh, upstairs, usually in our house, and you know, usually the, there's always one of the girls in front of the mirror anyway, so you can't get to it anyway. But um, I just never have a problem. So if there's a stain on my shirt or uh, one of my hairs is out of place or something like that, I'm, I'm not even going to know. But some people are unaware that they have a problem. That's fine. But what happens sometimes is we look at our life and we, we look in the mirror and we, we recognize that there's some things that need to be changed and you're just unwilling to change them. And you keep trying to pretend, pretend like there's nothing going on. Everything's fine with me. It's the other people who have the problems. It's the other people who need to, to change. That's when, even as a church, we can, we can run into problems because we have to recognize that we're not always faithful. We have to recognize that there are times that we fall short of God's glory and we have to be willing to allow God to change that. Look with me in Amos, Amos chapter 7. Just read verses 7 to 8. It says this, This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb and with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, What do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord said, Look, I'm setting a plumb line against my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. Let us pray. Dear God, I thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. I pray, Lord, that you, through your Holy Spirit, you, you guide us through it together as your church. Teach us, Lord. Teach us, Lord. Of the things that we need to change in our lives. Make us aware of our shortcomings. And lead us to a time of healing and restoration. For I thank you that you are a just God, but you are a gracious God. And Lord, you are not willing for us to struggle. You're not willing, your desire is not for any of us to suffer or to struggle, but to have a, an abundant life in faithfully following you. Teach us, Lord, your ways together as your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, hopefully you've been reading through already this seventh chapter of Amos. Uh, several of you, I know, have read through the, the entire book of Amos, or at least you've been reading uh, each chapter as it work along. So hopefully this week, if you haven't read it already, you'll work your way through the seventh chapter, because uh, by next week, we're going to be into the, the eighth chapter. In fact, next week, we're going to put some at chapter eight and nine. And so uh, if you go ahead and read ahead a little bit, you can read uh, eight and nine through this week, so you're ready for uh, next week's uh, talk on that. But Amos chapter 7, there's some great challenges for us, and so I want to work through that a little bit this morning. First of all, we notice in the, the beginning verses of this chapter that God is a just God. He, he 
is a God of righteousness. He's a God of justice. But he's also a God that's, which is full of mercy. And he warns the people, as we, as we know now through Amos, over and over, that judgment is coming. And that they're going to be wiped out if they keep on living in their unfaithfulness. They keep on turning away from God. And here, he gives Amos this vision, in fact, a couple of different visions, of how he's about to wipe out the people of Israel. First is the vision of how he's going to destroy things uh, by the locusts and then by fire. And then we see how God turns from that. In verse 1 it says this, This is what the sovereign Lord showed to me. This is Amos talking. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share had been harvested and just as the late crops were coming up. When they had stripped the land clean, I cried out, Sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen, says the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. The Sovereign Lord was calling for judgment by fire. He dried up the great deep and devoured the land. Then I cried out, Sovereign Lord, I beg you, stop. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen either, the Sovereign Lord said. He warned, God warned Amos in this, uh, the vision of the locusts and then the fires, how he's going to wipe out the people as he promised he would because of their unfaithfulness. And then Amos each time cries out to God, God, don't do this. Forgive them. Show mercy. Show compassion. Show grace. And again and again, God relents and he, he changes and doesn't destroy the people then. And he shows another time for mercy. Amos's cry here on behalf of the people of Israel now he's from the southern kingdom of Judah, but he's up in Israel preaching this message. And he cries out to them and says, God, Israel is so small. They can never survive what you're doing, what you're about to do in this vision. Now, it's interesting because if you remember anything about the last few weeks, you would recognize that Israel saw themselves as, any, as anything but small. They saw themselves as a great nation. In fact, over and over as Amos keeps saying, God is going to do this, and God is going to take care of you or wipe you out or punish you because of what you've been doing and how you've been living, they're going, not us. We're the great Israel. Look at our kingdom. Look at the lands that we've conquered. Look at our military conquests. Look at our, our, our government, our power. We, we can lounge back and relax. We've made it. We are a great and a powerful people. But when Amos sees in his vision from God the power of this God... All of a sudden, this great kingdom of Israel looked like nothing. Because God is all-powerful. He is all authority. And He is the great judge of all, who is saying, you are going to be wiped out. Although you think you're great, you think you're powerful, you think you're mighty, I will crush you because of your unfaithfulness. And Amos cries on, on their behalf and he stops and he doesn't go through with what he says he's going to at the time. And again, gives a time for mercy. Sin has its consequences. 
And if we keep on rejecting Him, we keep on turning away from God, there are consequences for that. God wants to show mercy, and He will to any who will turn to Him. But we have to recognize, first of all, that we have a problem. You see, God knows us, and He knows when things aren't right. Now, you know, if you, um, if you live with someone long enough and, and you love them dearly, you love them deeply, you, seem to, you just get to know them like nobody else does. And there could be times with this individual that the world doesn't see that there's any problem. The world thinks everything's okay. In fact, maybe even the person is telling everyone that everything's okay. In fact, maybe even the person themselves think that everything is okay. They've convinced themselves that everything's okay. But you can look at them and you, can, you know them and you can see that everything is not okay. And so your role as that loved one is to be there for them, to support them, and to allow them to recognize that things aren't right, that they need help, and that you're there to see them through. That's what this plumb line was all about. You may go, well, what in the world's a plumb line? It's a weird thing. Well, um, builders use levels and things like that. Well, the, the plumb line, uh, especially in, in the biblical times, uh, was just how they got the building straight. Uh, they held this um, a weight on a string uh, next to the wall that they were building and just make sure that the wall is straight. Now, they use a plumb line a lot of times after there was uh, a war or a storm because uh, the walls of the foundations may have shifted. And even though a building may look good if the foundations have shifted uh, and those weight-bearing walls uh, have, have shifted, then if things aren't adjusted quickly or if things aren't knocked down and, and rebuilt in that, uh, the house is going to fall. The building is going to fall. You have to make sure that the wall has been built to plumb, so it's been built straight. And you can hold that line next to it and it's fine. Now, I know nowadays they have electronic levels and everything else that's uh, laser stuff, but that's what the plumb line is. And it's important for us as a church, as God's people, to sometimes allow the, the plumb line of, of God's Word, which is forever steadfast and true, to be our guide as how far we've, we may have shifted through the storms and through the, uh, the wars that is life. God recognizes when there are things that, that are not right. In, uh, in verses 7 and 9, as we said, God says He's going to hold this plumb line against Israel. In verse 9, He says, The high places of Isaac will be destroyed and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined. With my sword I will rise up against the house of Jeroboam. God knows, although the people of Israel tried to get everybody to believe like everything's okay, the nation of Israel themselves and, and their leadership seemed to think that everything was okay. They, they convinced themselves, although they knew they weren't being faithful to God, they didn't care. It seems like everything was fine. Everything's going cruisy, cruising along, and everything was good. And so they convinced themselves that everything's fine, but God knows that when He holds His word against them, they're not true to plumb. And if they continue to live like this, the house will fall. And there will be consequences and they will be punished. And so he tries to guide them to what is right. 
And, and the, the next part of this is to recognize from verses 10 to 15 that denying the truth doesn't change the truth. Now, we can deny that there's a problem, but that doesn't really change the fact that the problem exists, does it? You can, you can try to convince yourselves that you don't really need to change or that, that everything's fine in your life or everything's fine in your marriage or everything's fine in your family. Your life is, is peachy and everything's great. But that doesn't change the fact that the problems that may be there are still there. Now, in verses 10 to 15, we see the, the actual king of Israel, Jeroboam, who starts going, who is this guy? Who is this Amos who wants to come up into our kingdom, into Israel, and start talking about us? We are the great Israel. Verse 10, it says, Then Amaziah, the, high, uh, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, the king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words. For this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy any more in Bethel because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Amos answered to Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. I was a shepherd and also took care of the sycamore trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go and prophesy to my people. I find this passage very interesting because uh, when the king hears about what Amos is saying, the priest who brings the word to him says, You've got to hear this message that Amos is bringing. The words he's saying is going to bring the house down. Not the kind of life we're living is going to bring the house down. Not, not how we need to change some things, but he is saying destructive things. And just, they're, they're just plain out denying that any of those things may be real. They don't want to acknowledge that there may be any truth in what Amos is saying and what God is bringing to their attention through Amos. They just say, if we just stop him from saying those things, we stop this kind of dissenter in the ranks, then we can go on because we have no problems. And he says, Amos, go back down to Judah. Go down to the southern kingdom and, and just let your prophecies be known there. Say your, your messages there. And, and Amos says, hey, look, I'm not, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a son of a prophet. I, I, this is my profession. I was, I was just a a shepherd and a, and a pincher of sycamore trees. But God has given me this message and told me to come and to, to deliver it to you, and so that's what I'm doing. God Himself has chosen to use me to, to bring this message. This isn't for me. It's not my opinion of Israel. It's not my opinion of how you're living. This is what the Word of God says. And the king is saying... Can you believe that he is saying we have a problem? We are Israel. We are God's chosen people. Who are you to say that we have a problem? Sometimes, even though it hurts, we need someone to tell us that we have a problem. Right? Sometimes, even though it hurts, we need to be told that we need to change. 
Or we need God's Word to tell us that we need to change. We need God's Spirit to, to let us know how we need to change. Unless we're willing to acknowledge that we may need to change, then that change never takes place. Now, growing up, having grown up in America, I literally never give this a second thought. Other than in my whole life, I just thought America was the greatest nation in the entire world. I thought we had the greatest system of government, the, the greatest military, the greatest social system. And I, I literally, I, I probably never really gave this a thought, but as I, I came outside of America and I started kind of looking at how things are and, and learning about, as you learn more about uh, other countries and, and other governments and other systems, you can go, you know what? Maybe we don't have it all together. And the people of America have now come to a place of, of dire need and has to admit that it has some problems. The world knows it has problems. And America knows it has problems. And they're crying out now going, hold on, we need to be willing to change. Australia. I used to think Australia had stability in, in its government, consistent policies, Bible-based just and compassionate policies. I used to think that the West or, or Western societies weren't divided by, by race or religion or other things, that that was all in the past for America or Australia or, or whatever nation, and that we simply accepted people as being people. But we have to admit that we have some problems. As a church, I used to believe that, that every church preached and taught the Word of God and only the Word of God. Not opinions or ideas, but straight from God's Word. And that we left the, the judging up to God. That we trust each other and encourage each other. I used to think churches were always safe for all people all the time. I used to think that churches, that Christians in churches or Christians in general always treated each other lovingly all the time. But church, we have to recognize that sometimes we have some problems. And it does us no good to hear that we need to change or to see what we need to change and just to discredit the messenger. And say, who is that person to say that? How dare they say that we need to change? We are the Christian church. We are the church of God. We've got it all together. Oh, church, I think we fooled ourselves for too long. We have to recognize that in our own hearts, in our own lives, and together as a group of fallen people, we have some problems. And we have to be willing to change them. Because if the problems persist, the house will fall. If the problems persist in your life, if you keep on living in that sin and turning away from God and rejecting Him, there, there are consequences for them. Verse 16 and 17 says this, now, now then, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the descendants of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says, your wife will become a prostitute in the city and your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided up, and you yourself will die in a pagan country 
and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. Sometimes you know what you need to do and are just stubborn or ignorant and, and unwilling to make the change. You think, well, things won't go that far. I won't let it continue down that path because I know that that will lead to destruction. I won't let things go that far. Sometimes you know what to do and you know what uh, we need to do, but we can't do it on our own. We know who can, but we don't want to admit to anyone else that we have a problem. We don't want to admit to anyone else that we need help. We don't even want to admit to God that we need His help, and so we just perish. Now, it sounds, it sounds stupid. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it, to, to think that you may be stuck in a deep hole and not cry out for help. But it seems even more ridiculous to think you're stuck in this deep hole and you recognize there's no way out, but you look over and there's a ladder next to you leaning up against the, the wall. But you refuse to climb because you refuse to admit to even yourself that you're stuck and that you need any sort of help. And it seems ridiculous, even more so, to, to realize that you, to think that you may be stuck in a hole for, for days upon time, a time. And you're starting to, to starve and go hungry. You're starting to get cold and, and sick. And the rescue squad ha has found out that you're in need. And they've come to help. And they've got the helicopter with the ladder lifting down into the hole. And the whole team is there to support you. And you just say to them, no, no, I'm fine. I'm not really stuck. I'm just staying down here for a while. And you stay down until you die. It sounds ridiculous, but that's what we do all the time. That's what we do is, even in the church. We have problems and we have challenges, and when God brings those to our attention through His Word and through His Spirit, we just go, yeah, that's not me. We see the problems in others. We want those changed. We thank God we don't have those problems, but we, we don't want to acknowledge the problems in our own lives. In our marriages, in our families, in our church, in our community. We want change, but we're unwilling to be changed. And God wants us to measure our faithfulness. He wants us to measure our, our, our real trust in Him. Do we just sing about Him? Or do we really want Him to change our lives? Do we really want him, him to mold us into who He wants us to be? Because sometimes that means letting go. Letting go of those things that we know are not pleasing to Him. Letting go of those things that may provide a temporary satisfaction or a temporary pleasure but causes long-term consequences and pain. It may mean being willing to admit that you don't have it all together. Now I'm convinced that if someone in the church is willing to come forward and say, I don't have it all together, and we ask, we ask people to come down, hey, if you don't have it all together, come down front. I have a sneaking suspicion that if we first ask everyone to come down who has a problem in their life or a problem in their marriage or a problem in their family, that 
everyone would stay seated for just a moment anyway. You think, well, I don't want to be the first one to admit I've got a problem. But I can also almost guarantee that after that first one comes, someone else will come, and someone else will come, and someone else will come. And before long, there'll be nobody left out there. Everybody will be up here. Because we all have the problems. In fact, some of you might be going, hey, you've got a problem too. Come up with me. <laughs> I, I see your problem. You see my problem. Let's get each other up there. As a church, we have to be willing to admit God is forever faithful. He is steadfast and He is true. We, we are so fallible. We are so faulty. And we stumble and we fall. And we have to recognize that and be willing to say, you know what, I need to change. I need to be willing to allow God to change me. And we have to encourage each other in that. We have to not sit back and go, thank goodness he walked forward. Because we all know he's got problems. And thank goodness, or can you, you don't want to be sitting there going, I can't believe she's still sitting in her seat. Because we all know what's going on in her life. We laugh. But how often is the church that way? I'm convinced that the church God wants us to be is a safe place. I'm convinced that the church God wants us to be is a place that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say, my marriage is struggling. My life is struggling. My family is struggling. I'm not always faithful to God. And you know what? That's okay. Because God is forever faithful. And God shows grace. And God shows His strength when we are weak. God picks us up. And He wants us to do that together. He wants us to lead each other in love and grace and mercy. Not in perfection. He wants a bunch of imperfect, fallen people to follow Him together. He is a perfection. He is a faithfulness. He is the one who is just and righteous and gracious. He just wants us to lead each other to Him. And I pray, I pray that this church and every church across this land have a place that is safe to be broken, to be fallen. Not a church who breaks people, because we have too many of those. We need to be a church that it's okay to be broken and a church that leads each other to Christ who provides the healing, who provides the strength. Oh, church, I pray that we measure, we be willing today to measure our faithfulness, that we study God's Word, read it every day, and let Him hold that plumb line against your life. How do you measure up? God is forever faithful to you. I have a sneaking suspicion you're not always faithful to Him. And you know what? That's okay. We'll get there. We keep learning more about God's love together. We keep allowing Him to change us into who He wants us to be. And we'll get there together. Let's be a place that just love each other, encourage each other. And if you need help along the way, and you will, come to us. Let's pray together. Let's support each other in that walk. We're going to have our, our final song. And as we sing this song, of praise once again of who God is and, and the joy that He brings to our life. We're also going to give you an opportunity. We do each Sunday. We say, you know what, if you need prayer, um, you know, come up and just pray. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I just need to get some things to God. I've had some things that I, I'll just go, God, I didn't want to admit that there's some problems, but there's some problems and I need you to change that. Maybe you just want to 
kneel down here and just pray and just give some things to God. As in every Baptist church, the front row is empty all the way across. And so you've got plenty of seats over here, plenty of seats over here, plenty of seats over here. Even if you just want to make the effort and you come up and just kneel down and, and just pray. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, Mike, I, I want you to, to pray with me. I want you to hold me accountable to something. That's fine too. And we can, we can put uh, not only me, but there, there are people in the church who, who love you and want to hold you accountable to, to seeing that change happen. Whatever God's dealing with your life this morning, maybe you want to give your life to Christ and you say, you know what, I've never trusted Him with my life. I've never done that. And today's the time to do that. So let, let's stand and as we sing this song, if God's dealing with your heart in any way and He's saying, hey, it's time to, it's time to make a change, uh, just come forward and do that. Let's all stand.